0: Hey everyone, you're listening to an Axe Church Sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axechemist.org or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. You're only sorry because you got caught. As an attorney, I've represented a lot of people who have been accused of crimes Um, and they have different reactions. The many different people have had many different reactions to being arrested and charged with a crime. Uh, some people will just insist that they're innocent, right? I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I didn't do it. Right up until the time where I showed them the video that the prosecutor gave me of them totally doing the thing. Um, you know, they're, they're innocent, right? And then it's like, well, but that's not really that bad, is it? Uh, but that's, that's how some people were. And I said, it depends on how bad it is, how much you'll pay. Um, no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> Kidding, I didn't do that. Um, some say they're sorry, but really they're just hoping for leniency, right? Which I think is what my mom was suggesting to me. Some are just angry that they got caught. But some actually admit what they did and what the, the prosecutor and the police are saying that they did, and they seem truly sorry. They seem like they're sorry. Not sorry they got caught, but really sorry. For those people, they're actually looking for, as strange as may sound, they're looking for a punishment to be issued so that they can pay their debt to society and be restored to the community. They really are looking at it that way. They're, those who are, who are angry or those who are only sorry if they think it will help them get out of something, they view their sentence very differently than the people who are truly sorry and who are truly mourning over what they did. The people who are angry, the people who are just sorry they got caught, they don't mourn their actions. They don't mourn the thing that they did. And they're not comforted when the process is complete and they've paid their debt to society like the person who truly is sorry is. Now, why is this important? We're in a series called Upside Down, and it's a study of the Word of God, uh, the words of Jesus, in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you can find the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. I recommend reading it. Uh, a lot. It is powerful. Um, If you have your Bibles with you now, you can grab them and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're in verse 4. That's how far we've gotten. Um, So we're moving right along. All right. I'm not going to tell you that this uh, series will go quickly um, because there's a lot here. It says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does this mean? What does it mean? We all know what mourning is, right? Mourning, it's a sadness. It's a brokenness. It's a particular kind of pain. In fact, it's a type of pain that's often much worse than physical pain. Most people who are mourning would much rather have physical pain than to go through the mourning that they're going through. That's what mourning is, right? We, we mourn. Uh, different kinds of things, right? Because we live in a broken world. So every one of us has mourned. Every one of us has mourned. We've mourned either the death of a loved one, the loss of a job or a friend. We mourn for our country or our city or trouble that we see others dealing with. Maybe if you've been to Honduras and you've seen some of the poverty and the difficulty, maybe you mourn for that, right? Some of us mourn for the loss of the way things used to be. People mourn out there in the parking lot over those pews that are still sitting there, Right? <laughs> Some of us even mourn for our favorite basketball team. It's just a game, Randy, okay? Sometimes you got to call people out that others may fear. All right. I typed the word mourn into the online dictionary, and this is what I got. It says this. It's a verb. It says, feel or show deep sorrow or regret for, you know, someone at their death, something like that, typically by following conventions such as the wearing of black clothes, Number 2 feel regret or sadness about the loss or disappearance of something. To mourn is to feel loss. Regret, grief, sorrow, sadness. So what, what is Jesus saying that we should be sad all the time, right? Blessed sort are of those who mourn. Should be sad all the time. I can't wait to go to church with those Christians. They're always just so sad, frowny. It just makes me hey, eh, right? Christ followers, man, they're a depressed bunch. Uh, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. It's not saying that good Christ followers are bummed out all the time. Like Eeyore from Winnie and the Pooh is like the best Christian. Oh, bother, right? That's not what it's saying. In fact, in some ways, it's actually saying the opposite. It's actually saying the opposite. Let's walk through it. Why are we sad? Why do we mourn? I said we mourn for the physical death, death of loved ones, right? Uh, me personally, I've lost two brothers in Christ this year, Ed Bauer and John Ware, okay? Both men that I looked up to, both men that, that are believers and brothers, okay? But here's the thing I mourn when I lose a brother or a sister in Christ. I mourn. But if we trust God, there's actually comfort and joy. That's quite great that also comes at the same time because I'm promised in God's word that not only will I see my brothers that have passed away this year again, but I will get to be with them and Jesus for eternity. So although there's mourning, there's also comfort and joy, right? I'm comforted by that. Believers in Jesus Christ mourn differently. We mourn with hope, right? And hope leads to joy, So our mourning is actually a blessing because it leads to hope and joy. Now, why is the mourner who follows Christ blessed? Because he's saying they're blessed. The the mourner who follows Christ is blessed because the mourner who believes in the promises of God is going to be comforted. Is going to be comforted. This is upside down, right, from what the world wants. The world sees mourning as negative, right? Negative. We don't want to mourn. We don't want to be sad ever. We don't even want to be bored. We don't like it, right? We're always in a rush for comfort, for happiness. Give me my entertainment now, right now. When I was a kid, before VHS, some of you are like, what is VHS? <laughs> right, the younger ones. VHS were these tapes that about this big, and you put them into a player, and then you rewind it for five minutes because your dad didn't rewind the tape last time. (laughs) Selfish, right? And then after that, you could watch a low-quality version of a movie, and you could even, like, fast-forward and pause scenes and things like that. It was amazing at the time, right? But before that, before there was VHS, all we had was the movie theater and whatever was on TV, right? Whatever was on. You had to watch a show... When it came on, there was no other time. If you missed it, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You didn't get it, right? The the show's on at 8.30 on Thursday night. You had to make your schedule around that. Y'all remember this, right? This is the time for, so our schedules were actually totally around television. What night did you have church? Whatever night the worst television was on, right? (laughs) That's how it was done right, because, and, and we would watch all the commercials, the whole commercial, and we'd learn all the little jingles by men and you know, all that stuff. <laughs> we all knew that, all of those things, right, and the shows, because everybody watched the whole thing and didn't skip the credits, had these great songs before, like, you remember the songs for the shows, and you remember that, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have, I'm going to sing the whole thing if you don't start, no. <laughs> we knew all these songs and stuff, now shows aren't like that anymore, right, it's a totally different thing. We're like, give me every show ever made right now on Netflix with no commercials. That's how we are, right? Everything, I want to be happy. Give it to me. And it works, too. There's nothing that makes you more happy than re-watching 16 episodes of The Office and being tired and sick and feeling bad the next day, right? So, so happy. You got to think about the things when you think about how much we don't want more and how much we want to be happy. Think about the things we've solved in this century. Last century, the 20th century, they were like, we should invent the light bulb. Then people could read and learn for longer. We could work harder. We could do that kind of thing. You know, we can do important things. Or we should invent the cars so we can travel and see the world and expand our minds and explore and discover. We should invent rockets so we can go to the moon, right? This century is like, let's invent iPhones so people can look at a little thing and play games all day. Be on social media and be sad and forget how to talk to real people. Let's do that. Right? Let's invent food delivery services so that they can sit at home and watch Netflix without commercials and order pad thai while never getting off their fat bottom. Right? Let's do that. We're going to make the world a better place. We want to be happy, right? That's why we do all this stuff why we invent all this stuff. We think that the more convenience that we create, the happier we will be because we don't like to mourn. Right? Think about this. We have not solved the cure for the flu. We have not solved the illiteracy problem. But we have solved the problem of actually having to drive yourself down the street to Taco Bell so that you could get diarrhea. Right? Uber Eats. Uber Right? These are the problems that we're solving. These are the problems that we're solving. Okay? We don't like to mourn. We want it. We want it now. Right now. We don't think it's a blessing to mourn. We don't think, oh, that person's mourning. They're very blessed. It's not the way we look at it. And, of course, neither do the, the, the people who were listening to Jesus. It was an upside-down statement to Meg. When we see another shooting happen or a law that's passed that harms people, we're sad and we should be. We mourn and we should And Jesus is saying, it's actually a blessing. It's actually a blessing to mourn those things. Now, why is it a blessing to mourn evil? It's a blessing because as Christ followers, we know that Jesus Christ is going to make all things new. We know that. This is what he says. He's promised us to make all things new. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. From their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give it a fountain, the water of life, freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. And he shall be my son. Those who follow Christ believe this. We believe that God will restore. Our mourning is followed by God's comfort. For those who don't follow Christ, and this is sobering. For those who don't follow Christ, there is no comfort. They have no hope. They have only a couple of choices in life. One, they can invent something, some philosophy, some idea that tries to give them hope. Or two, they can just choose not to mourn and not to care about anything. Those are the choices that they have. They are not blessed in their mourning. They are not blessed because their mourning is not tied to the hope of Jesus Christ. It's not tied to the hope of Jesus Christ. If you're mourning right now, If you've experienced pain and loss and you have been in that place for a really, really, really long time and you have received no comfort, ask yourself this. Am I believing? Am I believing in the promises of God? Do I truly believe? Be comforted by the Holy Spirit as you consider the truth of God's promises for you, for us He's going to wipe every tear away. There will be no more pain, no more sadness. All things will be made new. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you're grieving or that if you're mourning that you don't have to go through that. You've got to go through the grief. You've got to go through the mourning that you're experiencing. Okay, I'm not saying that people who are mourning or have grief aren't believing God's promises. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just announcing to you the hope that followers of Christ have in him. Followers of Christ have hope in him. If you are mourning and you trust Jesus Christ and his promises, you will eventually experience comfort and joy again. You will. Don't let yourself go down a tunnel where it seems like things are worse and worse. We have so much depression that goes on today, which is an extreme form of mourning, the kind where you start to just not care about anything. It just feels like there's a blanket covering you. Listen, there is joy coming. There is hope. Jesus Christ will make all things new. He has got you. I'm not saying there's no, not going to be pain. I'm not saying there's not going to be difficulty. But I am saying that you who are mourning will be comforted. You're blessed because you will be comforted. Do not forget that when things get difficult. But there's another kind of mourning. There's mourning over your own sin. Mourning over your own sin. We, we try to avoid the idea of sin in our culture, right? We try to say either there's no such thing as sin or some people try to just get rid of it altogether by saying there's no God. Like if I just say he doesn't exist, he can't see me, right? I mourn for those who go down the path of the kind of self-help or counseling that minimizes sin and encourages people to have an unreasonable self-reliance. Because it will break you. We want to believe that our sin is either okay, in other words, not really sin, or that it's just simple mistakes, right? Just little things that we do. After all, it's not as bad as what other people are doing, right? I know you've never thought that. We don't want to face the fact that God has given us a path to follow. He said, this is the way. We have it here in Scripture, right? We know. He's revealed to us the path. He's revealed it to us in nature. He's given us clear instructions for how to live rightly. And if that wasn't enough, he came to us and lived as a man and showed us, was an example, showed us how to live righteously. But we have not lived righteously. We have not lived righteously. None of us have. None of us. Listen to Romans 3, 10 through 12. It says, as it is written... There is none righteous. No, not one. Okay? Just in case you didn't get what the word none meant. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Now, we've got to deal with that. But the world hates this idea. The world hates the idea that they are guilty before a holy God. They do not want to be responsible to God, right? They want to run their own lives. They want to run their own lives. People tend to react to the idea that they're sinners. If that idea is put in front of them, they tend to react to it a lot like my clients who were accused of crimes would react when they got arrested and charged with something. Some get angry. Call me a sinner. Look at your life. Some pretend to be sorry. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. I shouldn't do that anymore while you're watching. But they're just hoping to alleviate. They're just hoping to alleviate the consequences, right? And then some mourn. Some mourn. My mom said I was only sorry because I got caught. And that is a very different sorrow than sorrow over my actions, over my sin. Right? Sorrow that my bottom is about to be sore is not the same thing as sorrow that I have violated relationship with God. They're a totally different thing. If there's someone out there today or listening to this online or whatever who believes there is no sin or there is no God, comfort is not the result you will experience when you find out the truth. I'm just trying to be real with you. Now, if you don't believe there's a sinner, you don't believe you're a sinner, you don't believe there's a God, it's not comfort that's coming your way. That's not the way it's going to work. There is a God. He is holy and perfect. Holy and perfect. And there is such a thing as sin, and you are a sinner. These are facts. If you only mourn over the consequences of your sin, I'm really sad that by sinning I ended up with no money and no girlfriend, or whatever it is, right? It's just the consequences and not the reality of your sin. The fact that you have done this thing, that you've sinned against God, then you are not seeing the world as it is, and you are not seeing you as you are. You're just sorry that bad things happened. If you're only sorry that you get caught... Right? If you're the kind of person who's like this, hey, uh, I realize that there's something that's called sin, and so here's how I'm going to deal with it. Uh, I'm going to go to church or give to charity, uh, you know, do some things to kind of make it better, but I'm not going to see the wickedness of my sin. I'm not going to let it change me. I'm not going to mourn over it. If that's you, comfort is not on the way. Because you're not mourning You're not mourning. Mourning over your sin is a very personal experience between you and God. It is a very personal experience between you and God. David in Psalm fifty-one, he writes this: "says Have mercy upon me." David had sinned by adultery and murder. He was broken. He was mourning against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Our sin is personal. It's between us and God. That's where the mourning belongs, between us and God. It's a violation of our relationship with God. We need to mourn over our wickedness. When Jonah comes and tells the people of Nineveh, who he didn't want to go there. There was a fish. There was this whole thing. But he finally gets there. And he tells them, you're wicked. God, he's saying the Johnny Cash on to them. He's like, God's going to cut you down. And And their reaction, they started mourning. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They begged for forgiveness. They saw what they had done as evil, and they sought God out. And God spared them. Much to Jonah's chagrin. But they mourned. They mourned. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. He says this. This is Isaiah 6, 5. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He, he, he sees God. His, he recognizes where he is who he is, what he's done, and his response is, Woe is me! I'm undone! He's mourning. He's mourning the wickedness. When he he gets just a glimpse of what the holiness of God looks like and understands for one second how much God loves him, he recognizes his sin as something horrible and wicked, and he mourns over it. He mourns over it. He's undone. When we look into the perfect mirror of the law, when we look into the perfect mirror of the Torah, right, and we see ourselves, we should be undone. We should be undone. We should see what we have done, who we've become, who we are, and we should be undone. We should mourn our sin if we want to be blessed. Listen to this story Jesus tells us. This is, we've, heard, we've talked about this one before pretty recently, I think, but let's, let's read it again. This is in Luke, 9, Luke 18, 9 through 14. It says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Which one of these men was mourning over their sin? Not the Pharisee, right? Not the guy who's listing off his good works. Well, I go to church twice a month. I give $100 to the United Way. and I'm a pretty spiffy dresser. Not like this guy over here. That guy, no. But the guy who said, have mercy on me, a sinner, wouldn't even look to heaven, recognized who he was and who God was. He got the blessing. He went down to his house justified. Why? Because he mourned what ought to be mourned. He reacted reasonably to the facts. The Pharisee's lying to himself. I'm pretty good. You know? Pretty good. Look at these things I've done. The tax collector's under no delusions about who he is and what he's done. One more passage. James 4. I'm sorry. Yeah, James 4, starting at verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Both of those passages ended with be humble and God will lift you up, right? He who humbles himself will be exalted. He who exalts himself will be humbled. Lament and mourn and weep, you sinners? That's what James is saying. I know the messages like that are not the cool thing to give in some quarters, but it's the truth. It's the truth. We are all sinners, and I'm the worst, but I am blessed. I am blessed. You know why? I'm blessed because I have mourned over my sin, and I had a lot to mourn over. I have wept, and I have been broken, and I have laid down on the floor before God, mourning, weeping. And because of that, because I humbled myself, he's lifted me up. He's given me comfort. He's given me joy. I'm blessed because I mourned, and I have been comforted. I have been comforted. Why is the sinner so joyful when they're saved? You get these people, they get saved, and they're, they're all excited about it, and they're like, what can I volunteer for whatever? And the Christians like us who have like, been in a long time, we're like, calm down, weirdo. You'll be like us soon enough. Right? where nom. my pews? Right? That's... Not a smoke machine back there. Right. <laughs> Hazer. Okay. Where was I? I don't even remember now. Remember. Why are they so joyful? Why is the new believer so joyful? Because his or her mourning has been turned to comfort and joy. That's why. You cannot fully understand why we sing and dance and praise God if your relationship with Christ was not built through mourning and weeping. Listen to this, this is important. You cannot understand the mountaintop of comfort and joy if you have not been through the valley of mourning. It's not going to happen. You might enjoy church. You might think, oh, it's nice music, or I like this, or I like that. But you aren't going to understand the power of comfort, of joy, unless you've mourned over the person that you have become without Christ. And let Christ exalt you. Christ is risen from the dead. He has defeated sin and death and hell, and we can be saved because he paid the price for our sin, if we will accept it. It's like a client, like, like imagine that I had a client who had done something horrible, right, and like the death penalty was on the table. They were going to get the death penalty, and they're mourning over what they'd done. And then we just find out that some other guy just volunteered to take the death penalty for my client. You think that that client's mourning might be turned to joy? Believe that. Believe that. How do you think my client might respond to this person who's given up their life for them? I'd be pretty happy with that person, right? And what Jesus Christ has done for us is so much more than that. It's much more than just saving us from a physical death that we are facing, He saved us from eternal death and separation from God. You cannot understand. I don't recommend this. But if you start thinking about what it would be like to be separated from God eternally and have no hope, that's a pretty dark thing to think of. And Jesus, that's where we were. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not following him now, that's where you are. You just don't realize it yet. But it's coming. Or maybe you do realize it. And that's why you're here. Jesus has saved us from that, from eternal death and separation from God. You were made, this is important, you were made to be in relationship with God. You were designed, stitch by stitch, to love God and experience his love for you, okay? You might be good at a lot of things, okay? You might be a great soccer player. You might be a great plumber. You might be a great architect, whatever. You might be a great lover, you know? That's My wife tells me I am. I don't know that's Why are you laughing? It's real, okay? Um, Never been said. Anyway, you may be great at a lot of things, but what you were made for, the ultimate essence of your purpose is not in any of that. You know what you were made for? To love God and experience his love for you. You were literally designed for that. All those other things, those are gravy. Those are great, but they're the toppings on the cake. The cake is you loving God and God loving you. That's it. If you are not experiencing joy in your life, if you feel like something is missing in your life and you aren't a Christ follower, this is what's missing. You literally are plugged into the wrong socket. You are not living the way that you were designed to live. And that is you and God in relationship with nothing between you. Just you and him. If that's not happening, you're not going to experience comfort and joy. That's why, when sin breaks that relationship, it's such an ugly thing. It's literally a a violence against your own design, against who you were designed to be. And we should mourn that. You were made for another world, for a perfect world, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And his kingdom is coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's coming. All things will be made new, and every tear will be wiped away, and there will be comfort and joy, but only for those who mourn. Only for those who mourn. Comfort comes to those who mourn their sin. Have you mourned? I don't mean, have you realized that you're a sinner? Okay? You can realize that without mourning. I mean, have you realized what it means that you're a sinner? Have you realized how serious it is that you violated your design and your relationship with God? Have you mourned over that? Have you wept over that? Have you realized that Jesus died a terrible and painful death for you? So that you could be in relationship with the God who loves you. So that he could love you, he gave himself up for you. And the, and the things that you have done that have, have made that cost necessary, you should be mourning those things. Have you? Have you realized that what you've done, you've sinned against God and God only, and you've done evil in His sight? You may feel bad about the fact that your sin also affected somebody else, and you should apologize to them too, but your sin is a sin against your relationship with God. Are you, have you mourned that? Because as we sang saying this morning that Johnny Cash sign, song, if you don't mourn your sin, eventually, sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. Judgment is coming. It has to. It has to. Our morality means nothing. Judgment is coming, but I don't want that to be your story. I beg you. I plead with you. Don't let that be your story. You want comfort and joy? It's here for you in Christ today. For those of you who are Christ followers, but maybe have never had the full experience of a passionate, compelling love for Christ, you don't don't know maybe why you don't feel that as much. I would think seriously about whether you've really mourned over your sin because when you truly see the darkness and the wickedness of your sin and you truly see what Christ has done for you to pull you out of that and redeem you, It's really hard not to love him. It's really hard not to praise him. For those of you who don't know Christ, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, listen to this online later and you don't know Christ, you can fix that right now. You can mourn over your sin and you can be part of the kingdom that's going to be made new instead of continuing to fight and rebel against God. If you're mourning today, if you're depressed, if you're dealing with those kinds of things, please know that there's hope in Christ. There really, really is. Hope forever and eternally. And hope right here and right now in his church with these people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would... Comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us, share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back with more next week.